This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My, oh my, aren't you a brave one to be out in this weather? It hasn't stopped snowing in weeks, and the forecast says even more on the way, if you can believe it. I almost didn't open the store this morning. You must really be looking for something special, what with you dealing with that mess. I think I might have just the thing. I was gonna keep this for myself as it would definitely come in handy with regards to our current ever-so-turbulent quarrel with Mother Nature. But alas, no matter how much I bundled up, it still made my blood run cold. A tattered green jacket reeks of mildew and bile, but I'm sure the dry cleaners a few doors down could get that out with no trouble. Here, put it on. Ah, the perfect fit. Why don't you try this one on for size? It's called A Story to Scare My Son. Before we begin, what are your thoughts on secret societies and things of that nature? As a devoted visitor, you might be interested in our small collective of the shop's most discerning guests. It goes by... The Obsidian Covenant. You'll not only become part of the store's inner circle, but you'll get my undivided attention each week with no interruptions during my recounts. And every month, I'll share with you the tales of a couple of the items from my private collection. Hell, I may even display your name here at the shop. Go to theobsidiancovenant.com for more. Now, where was I? Oh, yes. Welcome to the Antiquarium of Sinister Happenings and Odd Goings On.
Son, we need to have a chat about internet safety. I slowly crumpled down on the floor next to him. His laptop was open and he was playing Minecraft on a public server. His eyes were locked into the action. Comments scrolled down the side of the screen in a chat box. Son, can you stop your game for a minute? He exited the world, closed the laptop, and looked up at me. Dad, is this going to be another cheesy, scary story? What? I faked hurt feelings for a second, and then grinned at him. I thought you liked my cautionary tales. He grew up listening to my stories about children who encountered witches, ghosts, werewolves, and trolls. Like many generations of parents, I used scary stories to reinforce morals and teach lessons about safety. Single dads like me should use all the parenting tools at their disposal. He scrunched his face a little. They were fine when I was six, but now that I'm getting older, they don't scare me anymore. They seem kind of silly. If you're going to tell a story about the internet, can you make it really, really scary? I squinted at him incredulously. He folded his arms. Dad, I'm ten. I can handle it. Oh, okay. I'll try. I began. Once upon a time, there was a boy named Colby. His expression indicated he wasn't impressed with the terror of the introduction. He sighed deeply and settled in for one of Dad's cheesy stories. I continued. Colby went online and joined several children's websites. After a while, he started talking to other kids in the game and on message boards. He made friends with another 10-year-old boy named Helper23. They liked the same video games and shows. They laughed at each other's jokes. They explored new games together. After several months of friendship, Colby gave Helper 23 six diamonds in a game they were playing. This was a very generous gift. Colby's birthday was coming up and Helper 23 wanted to send him a cool present in real life. Colby figured it wouldn't hurt to give Helper 23 his home address as long as he promised not to tell it to any strangers or grown-ups. Helper 23 swore he wouldn't tell anyone else, not even his own parents, and set about mailing the package. I paused the story and asked my son, Do you think that was a good idea? No way! He said, shaking his head vigorously. In spite of himself, he was getting into the story. Well, neither did Colby. Colby felt guilty about giving away his home address, and his guilt began to grow and grow. By the time he put on his pajamas the next night, his guilt and fear were larger than anything else in his life. He resolved to admit the truth to his parents. The punishment would be steep, but it was worth it to have a clear conscience. He squirmed in his bed as he waited for his parents to tuck him in. My son knew the scary part was coming up. 
In spite of his tough talk, he leaned forward wide-eyed. I spoke quietly and deliberately. He heard all the noises of the house. The washing machine bounced around in the laundry room. Branches scraped against the brick outside his room. His baby brother cooed in the nursery. And there were some other noises he couldn't quite pinpoint. Finally, his dad's footsteps echoed down the hall. Hey, Dad, he called out nervously. I, I, I have something to tell you. His dad stuck his head in the doorway at a weird angle. In the darkness, his mouth didn't seem to move and his eyes were all wrong. Yes, son? The voice was way off, too. Are you okay, Dad? The boy asked. Uh-huh, sung the father in his strangely affected voice. Colby pulled his covers up defensively. Uh, is Mom around? Here I am! Mom's head popped into the doorway below Dad's. Her voice was an unnatural falsetto. Were you about to tell us you gave our home address to Helper 23? You shouldn't have done that! We told you never, ever give out personal information on the Internet, she continued. He wasn't really a kid. He just pretended to be one. Do you know what he did? He came to our house, broke in, and murdered both of us just so he could spend some time with you. A fat man in a wet jacket emerged in the child's doorway holding the two severed heads. Colby shrieked and gasped as the man dropped the heads on the ground, unsheathed his knife, and moved into the room to work on the boy. My son screamed too. He twisted his hands defensively over his face, but we were just getting started with the story. After several hours, the boy was almost dead, and his screams had become whimpers. The killer noticed the wailing of a baby in another room and removed his knife from Colby. This was a special treat. <laughs> he had never murdered a baby before and was excited about the prospect. Helper 23 left Colby to die and followed the cries through the house like a homing beacon. In the nursery, he walked to the crib, picked the baby up, and held it in his arms. He moved towards the changing table to get a better look. But as he held the baby, the crying died down. The baby looked up and smiled. Helper 23 had never held a baby, but he gently bounced it in his arms like a pro. He wiped his bloody hands on the blanket so he could stroke the baby's cheek. Hey there, little sweet guy. Hey there. 
The beautiful rage of sadism melted into something warmer and softer. He walked out of the nursery, took the baby home, named him William, and raised him as his very own. After I finished the story, my son was visibly shaken. Between ragged staccato breaths, he stammered, But, Dad, my, my name's William. I gave him a classic dad wink and tousled his hair. Of course it is, son. William ran up the stairs to his bedroom in a fury of sobs. But deep down, I think he liked the story. Nothing like the sacred bond of family. You know, if you stay a while, there's another piece I'd like to show you in the back. Unless, that is, you'd rather run outside in that blizzard with your new jacket and build a snowman or something. <laughs> I thought so. Make yourself at home. I'll be right back. Thank you so much for your patience. I do think it will pay off. All right. Did you ever have one of these? It's a child's sticker book. Gosh, this brings me back to a certain time and place that had a lot more light in it. I'll say that much. It was way before I made that commitment. Well... That's a story for a different time and place. For now, let me quench your appetite with the tale of a young family who got themselves in a bit of a... sticky situation. In... I let something... into my house. In this house, something beyond comprehension. Save her. Save her. Save her. I let something into my house. I've lived in this house for almost a decade. We've never had the slightest hint of paranormal activity. No phantom footsteps, no slamming doors, no shadow people. Nothing. Until yesterday. I'd had a weird day. I'm a psychologist, and I had a somewhat stressful session with a teenage girl. Obviously, I can't get into specifics because of privacy and all that. But it was stressful. I didn't think anything of it at the time. But on my way home, I kept glancing in my rearview mirror. And it was just instinct that there was no one tailgating me, flashing their high beams or, or anything like that. In fact, I was 
all alone on the winding country road that led up to my house. I just kept glancing in the rearview mirror without even thinking about it. When I got home, the house was chaos as usual. My daughter was running around with stickers, putting them on everything. My poor husband was hopelessly unsticking each one at about half the speed she was putting them on. Need help? No, but could you make some chicken nuggets? I walked over to the fridge, and that's when I saw it. There was a a dirty handprint on the freezer door. But the problem was the hand was small, yet too high up to be Lily's. I stared at it for a second, confused. I guess Seth was carrying her and she touched the fridge? I don't know, I grabbed the dish towel and rubbed it off. We got Lily into bed around eight. I was nearly falling asleep as I read her a story. As I said, it had been a hard day. My words drawled on as I read Goodnight Moon for the zillionth time. My arm felt like lead on the pillow. But then Lily said something that woke me right up. Mommy, who's the girl in the fireplace? Huh? The girl in the fireplace. Who is she? My throat went dry. There's no girl in the fireplace. There is. The girl with no face. She was sitting in the fireplace. Okay, let's go to bed, I said, though my heart was pounding. Time to sleep. After she fell asleep, I asked Seth about it. Didn't say anything to me about it, but that's creepy as fuck. I know. I wanted to just go to sleep and forget about it. But eventually, my anxiety got the better of me. And sometimes we leave the door unlocked. Sometimes Sammy, the girl a few doors down, comes over unannounced to play with Lily. I mean, what if she got stuck in the fireplace or something? What if she's asphyxiating in there right now? The logical part of my brain knew that that was ridiculous. I would have seen police cars outside their house. Tanya would have called me to see if Sammy was over here. There would have been, like, five super unlikely things that would all have to happen for Sammy to be trapped in our fireplace dying. Still, I had to go check. I'm just going to check the fireplace. (laughs) She scared you. Just, I'll be right back. I'm sure it's nothing. Lily says weird shit all the time. I walked downstairs and turned left into the darkened family room. I reached for the switch and flicked on the light. Just in time to see thin strands of long black hair retract into the chimney. froze. My skin prickled. I couldn't move as I stared at the fireplace, the place where I'd just seen. No, could it really be? That would mean someone was inside the chimney, hanging upside down. I finally sucked in a breath. Seth! He shot down the stairs. What's wrong? Someone's in the chimney. I saw their hair. Seth frowned. I could tell he didn't really believe me. Okay. He approached the fireplace. Hello? Nothing. He paused for a second, 
Then he grabbed the fire poker and got on his hands and knees. Gripping the poker in one hand and his phone with the flashlight on in the other, he slowly pushed his head into the fireplace and looked up. There's nothing there. The flu's open, though, so good thing we checked. He pulled his head back out and closed the flu. It clanged shut. I didn't open the flu. Neither did I. I guess we left it open after the last time we lit a fire, which was... shit. Like two weeks ago. Oh, man. That's probably like 50 bucks a heat we've been paying for. He started for the stairs. Are you sure there was nothing there? Absolutely positive. I swallowed. Had I imagined it? As a psychologist, I knew the brain is a funny thing. A a bit of hair or dust in our peripheral vision can seem like a face or a a shadow person to our brain. Our brains are programmed to recognize faces, humans, danger, like seeing faces in patterns. Pareidolia. I got onto my hands and knees and looked up into the chimney, just to make sure the flue was closed. Then I headed back upstairs. Something woke me in the middle of the night. I rolled over and I looked at the clock. 3.07 a.m. I closed my eyes and tried to fall back to sleep. But then I heard it. A muffled, metallic clang. Coming from inside the house. I shook Seth awake. As he was getting his bearings, I ran over to Lily's room. Relief flooded me as I saw her fast asleep in bed. Seth stumbled into the hallway. What is that? I don't know. Should I... Should I call the police? (gasps) This sound was louder than the others. And then... Coming from our family room, Seth ran down the stairs. I heard his footsteps recede into the family room, and for an agonizing moment, there was silence. Call the police! Now! When the police arrived, I realized why he was so panicked. There were sooty footprints on our family room floor. Bare feet, small, like those of a child. They wound in a sinusoidal pattern until fading and disappearing when they got halfway across the room. But there were no footprints leading back, and the flu was open again. I... I don't know what to do. The police didn't find any evidence of anything... They insist the footprints must have been caused by Lily, but I know they weren't. She was fast asleep, and she told me she didn't make them. And I keep thinking back to that stressful session I had with that teenage girl. During the session, she was upset, and and she grabbed my hand. A, a little weird and boundary-crossing, but, but she was crying and desperate for comfort. When she finally removed her hand, there was this blackish, sooty smudge on my hand. I'd figured it was just some eyeliner or mascara or something, even though she looked like she wasn't wearing any. Now, I'm not so sure. This morning, I dialed her number to schedule her next appointment. We're sorry. 
You have reached a number that has been disconnected or is no longer in service. If you feel you have reached this recording in error, please check the number and try your call again. Thank you for your patronage. Hope you enjoyed your new relic as much as I've enjoyed passing along its sordid history. It does come with our usual warning, however. Absolutely no refunds, no exchanges, and we won't be held liable for anything that may or may not occur while the object is in your possession. If you've got an artifact with mysterious properties... Perhaps it's accompanied by a history of bizarre and disturbing circumstances. Maybe you'd be interested in dropping it and its story by the shop to share with other customers. Please reach out to antiquariumshop at gmail.com. A member of our team will be in touch. Till next time, we'll be waiting for you whenever you close your eyes. In the space between sleep and dream. During regular business hours, of course, or by appointment, only for you, our best customer. You have a good night now. The Antiquarium of Sinister Happenings, Lot 028. I let something into my house. Written by Blair Daniels. Narrated by Allison Cossett. Starring Conan Freeman as Seth. Jade Shand as Lily. A story to scare my son. Written by Oven Friend. Narrated by Richard Brake. Starring Simeon Wynn as The Son. Featuring Stephen Knowles as The Antique Dealer. Engineering production and sound design by Trevor Shand. Theme music by the Newton Brothers. Additional music by Vivek Abhishek, Kevin McLeod, and Coag. The Antiquarium of Sinister Happenings is created and curated by Trevor and Lauren Shand. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at AntiquariumPod. Call the Antiquarium at 646-481-7197.